is the planet's ultimate game. There may well be a storm brewing here tonight in many senses. What can happen today, we wonder. Everybody and welcome in to another episode of Dissecting the Pitch. I'm Gareth Kwok and I'm alongside my co-hosts Miller McKinney and Edwin Perez. And uh, gentlemen, back here after uh, we took a week off, we took a little mini hiatus to say, but uh, we're back here talking uh, football from this past weekend. But uh, as usual, the first question I have to ask you, gentlemen, how are you both doing? Doing great, man. Just been a uh... Great time watching the West Ham blow the bubbles and absolutely wreck Wolverhampton Wolves. I mean, absolutely, okay. just, right. just, just just absolutely wiped the floor with them. It was uh, like uh, West Ham fans said, it was very easy work. It truly was for the West Ham boys. So it was nice to see them actually dominate a game like that. And I mean, Garrett Kwok, the Wolverhampton fan, it, it truly feels great. I mean, hopefully there will be the day I can say that to Miller, but his Man United boys, I don't think we'll ever get that 4-0 from West Ham like Wolverhampton did. So that's all I have to say so far. Yeah, well, thanks for, uh, you know, stomping, stomping my teeth under the curb on that one just to, <laughs> to start off the show. Uh, clearly, I watched the game. Uh, but, Miller, how about you? How are you doing? Man, I'm doing good. You know, I was a little sad we didn't, uh, you know, time and some other things didn't link up well for our podcast last week. So I'm glad that we were able to get back to it this week. Uh, one of the best parts of the week for my myself. Don't know about you boys, but always love being here. So, just excited for another week, and you know, do what you can. So, absolutely. And and you bring up a good point that you know we we're now this week we're gonna this is the first show to be to be aired live on the Blaze Radio airways. Or we're back on the air. I know it's been a been a while, but in addition to the the podcast form that we're gonna be posting out every week. We're also going to be back every Friday, 10 o'clock a.m. on Blaze Radio. Uh, you can access that at blazeradioonline.com. Uh, we won't have any access to the studio, but again, we're going to be recording as usual, putting it out on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and this is going to be uh, aired live on Friday morning, like our, our usual slot has been the last couple of uh, semesters, so you can, you can find this on both platforms, and so eager to access uh, eager to get back into it with blaze radio and happy to be um, back in getting the programming all started again i know it's been a while but uh, we thank the all the listeners for their patience and uh you know what i think it's about time we get right into our rundown let's get into some premier league weekend reaction starting with manchester city versus leicester city uh leicester city winning five to two Manchester City, that defense conceding three fouls inside the box. Jamie Vardy with a, a hat trick in under the hour mark. And, uh, gentlemen, I mean, I'll let any of you take the floor, but City's defensive was uh, on display again. Uh, they, they were able to squeak past it against Wolves last week. The second half, they, they almost collapsed there, but they ended up hanging on. But this time, Leicester City, uh, they just gashed them. Uh, I, I'm going to take a quote from a great documentary is a uh, 
uh, all or nothing when uh, they did Man City. And what Pep Guardiola said, lazy, lazy, lazy. You can't be lazy from the back. That is the type of performance we got from Man City. And, you know, I'm not saying the Man City fans are too high on the team. I mean, they deserve to be high on their team. But I think a lot of them are kind of are forgetting that they're linked with the Koulibaly of the world. And then when they got Nathan Ake, they're like, okay, we might get Koulibaly. And then they're disappointed, but not as disappointed. And now we see why Pep Guardiola wants to spend so much money on defense. Like, that's been the thing ever since he's come into Man City has been trying to fix that defense. But, I mean, there's so many signings they've done. I mean, you can go through Cancelo, Danilo. None of them are working out the way that he wants to. And these, the defense as well showed up. I mean, this is a Leicester City team. Granted, they're a good team. I'm not saying this is a Fulham coming in there and beating Man City. Like, that's a different discussion. If Fulham did that, then I think we'd have to talk about Man City for 30 minutes. But this is a Leicester City team, yes, with a good striker in Vardy, but the, with the, the thing that I think Vardy does so well is he'll clean up the mistakes. Like, if you give him that chance, he'll take it. And that's so easy to say about a striker, but not all of them do it, you know? Like, I, a good striker is the one who can able, is able to score at the right moments and right times, you know? I think of the Raul Jimenez's in that situation, you know? The thing about Wolverhampton and what, why they're successful is because uh, Raul Jimenez is able to score in that 90th minute header like they usually like to do when they do win. And those type of strikers who you know you can rely on. Yes, it might not be the Harry Kane who can be clinical and score that, but that's what Vardy does. So, I mean, truly a great game for um, Leicester City. Man City, it's defensive woes. Again, it's early on the season. I'm not saying you should put that on your back burner, but now you know. I mean, I think you'd rather get tested now than later in the season because if, if those uh, uh, problems happen later in the season, I think you'd be absolutely done for. So, Truly, truly signing C, but I think it's great to see for our Man United fans. I'm truly curious how Miller feels about it. Yeah, well, I'll start off by saying that I think this is a bit similar to what we saw the first week um, when Leeds and Liverpool played each other, and it was, you know, the 4-3 result. As we saw, Liverpool actually got out of theirs, but Man City did not because they were playing a much better team. Um, I think it's a culmination of different things, though, uh, talking about their – defensive issues obviously um I think you know it's a little bit of I think there's a lot of things going around at the club like the club hasn't really you know been set in stone like with the squad that they're going to use this season yet um because there's still some guys on the way in on the way out um which we'll talk about later but I, I think that there's a little bit of an aspect to it as well that, you know, they're sitting there saying, you know, oh, we're Manchester City. We're one of the best teams in the Premier League. Do we have to do this again sort of thing? And, you know, I, it's right. I think, they get, I think they get a little bit lazy, as Edwin, you know, uh, kind of cited there. I, I think that definitely this defense isn't anything close to the best defense in the Premier League. Um, obviously, they've got some good pieces. They've got Kyle Walker, and that's about it. But uh, <laughs> uh, I think that it's just really tough, especially in today's Premier League, to be able to defend all the time. I think it's like a really hard thing to do because the majority of the players that you get um, on a defense have never played with each other before. And obviously it's always changing and there's always different tactics and everything like that. So I think it's really tough to be able to hold clean sheets and things like that. But to be scored on five times and, you know, have <laughs> – three fouls inside the box and let somebody get a hat trick that's a little bit less than you know your best effort so uh I think this is a really good win for Leicester 
I think this is a good start to the season for them. Hopefully, you know, they can make a competitive run again towards the top of the table. And I'm really hoping that City might have a few more weeks before they get back into their groove. So that way they can, you know, have some points that they drop here and there to make it a little bit more interesting. But uh, I, I think that, you know, this is something that a lot of soccer fans could kind of wake up that day. And if they didn't watch the game, they could say, thank God, this is the scoreline. So I, I don't know. I, I was kind of happy with the result. Well, uh, Lester already in the standings. They're first and tie for first. It's a three-way tie with Liverpool and Everton for, for nine points, three straight wins. And uh, we're going to get to the, the two teams that they are uh, in the same boat with Liverpool and Everton in just a second. But uh Let's move on now to Brighton, Manchester United. This was one heck of a game over the weekend. United pulling it out three to two in in the in in death in the death of the game, I guess. I don't know if that's how you say it, but in an extra time, Bruno Fernandez with the the penalty, he he clutches it in on a on a controversial handball. And I I think you would say this is this game has been sort of a a symbol of the season. There's been a lot of late magic, a lot of fouls in the in the box, a lot of handballs, a lot of controversy. Uh, so I'll start off with Miller here, uh, three to two in the, 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 the referee had already blown full time. Manchester United had to almost make a second effort to plead for their case on the, on the handball there. But what did you make of this crazy game? Um, being a United fan, this was not a really, this was not a game I wanted to watch. They hit the post like six or seven times. Brighton definitely played a better game than United did. Um, I, I don't know. It's it's just these are some of those tough games that, you know, it's almost like you, you watch the games and you can tell at the end of the game that something's going to happen that's going to affect the result. And you can almost call it and say, oh, that's going to change the game. And then it does. It was one of those. But I, I think that, you know, obviously we've talked about it before, the VAR, the handball situation, and it was a little bit newer in this conversation and everything like that. Um, but it's not something that you want to win. That's not how you want to win games. I mean, yes, it's nice the three points at the end of the day and everything, but that's not how you want to win the games. That's not how you want to say, okay, we barely got out with our lives there because, you know, the ref decided to give us handball at the end of the game. So I, I don't know. I think that this game was kind of what, like, this is kind of a wake-up call for teams like, you know, City just had one that we mentioned. You know, Liverpool almost had one the first week. United almost got one this week, and then they just played Brighton again today, and they won 3-0. So I, I think that, you know, situations like this are kind of tough, and I hate it even more when teams get bailed out in a sense like this at the end of games, even when it's my own team, because, you know, it, it's it's like a false win. It's like, okay, well, you really didn't win that game, but, you know, scoreline says differently. So I, I don't know. It, it was a tough one to watch for sure. Yeah, I mean – I think Miller will agree, and any Premier League uh, fan will agree, a win is a win in the Premier League. Even if it's ugly, even if it's pretty, you'll take those three points any way you can. And it's truly a game that, like Miller said, you you hate that you want, you want it like that. But at the end of the day, it is those three points that matter the most. I mean, there's clearly things they need to, to fix. And the, and the best thing is they know they need to fix those things, and yet they're still able to pull out that win. Was it deserved again? That's up for question. But at the end of the day, you can fix those stuff and comfortably know that you got those three points and you can recognize, oh, yeah, we got lucky. We got bailed out. But this is what we got to do the next game and and move on. Because if their mentality is like, oh, we got lucky and still have that in their head, it's going to translate into the next game. But they got to they gotta look forward. And, I mean, 
and this I believe there's the, uh, there's one more game before the international break, and if that and if that's the, and that's the case, then they this the next match is going to be huge to get the win, do it comfortably, head into that break, come back more refreshed. Well, you, as you said, yeah, one more game before the international break. United they're going to play Tottenham. That should be a great one on on Sunday morning. So we'll we'll definitely stay tuned for that. And um, but as we move on to their next next matchup from this past weekend, Everton taking the two, the one win over Crystal Palace. Everton, uh, we, we, we were talking about it before we uh, got on air, how this team is so fun to watch and how, I mean, if you want to use a, a bit of a, a, a casual phrase, they're, they're sweaty. They're sweaty on the, on the pitch. Um, th- already the nine points, three straight wins. Um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, it's not, uh, it's not Harry Kane's, not Mohamed Salah, who's the who's right now at number one or, or a bombing. It's Dominic Calvert-Lewin right now, the number one goal scorer. Him and Jamie Vardy tied with five goals right now through uh, a couple of games in the Premier League. And uh, so th- this team with him and Richarlison, I'll let you start, Evelyn, but uh, it, that's that's a pretty good sign to go three games in, nine points. Uh, that's the best you can do uh, with this uh, new look to, new look Everton squad. It, you know, I think we. You got to give credit to I think Miller and myself because we I I mentioned it quite a bit. I said this ever team looks is gonna look great. I I said that Hamasine is gonna look better and better. It's because they finally have midfielders who know their role. They have their identity and can stick to that. And Richarlison and their attack can stick to their roles. It's not a Richarlison who has to go all the way back and help that defense because those midfielders can't uh, push that ball forward and things like that. And great for them. They can finally do. They can finally stay up more and do what they're asked to do, which is why we're seeing this explosive offense. I mean, not not only in this two-one scoreline, but we also saw that today they played West Ham in a cup match and they destroyed them four-one today. Uh, you know, sad to see my hammers go down like that, but it is truly to a good attacking team. And you know, my my pick of the Golden Boot. You know, it's Richarlison, and I'm, I think I still have good hope and faith in it because is ever team still going to play the way that they are? I mean, I think it's truly going to be the, the great play of Richarlison. I mean, I, right now he's he can build up that case to be that PFA player of the year, you know. I went with Pogba early on, you know, and I, ho- and I, and I hope and I still think he can be, but um, I almost went with Richarlison, but I didn't want to be biased, you know, like I mentioned in that in that episode, so I went. But I mean, that pick is just getting better and better. And you truly got to, you know, applaud the way that Everton's playing. And they're, they truly look like one of the scariest teams right now that you don't want to face them. You know, when we look at teams you don't want to face, I think right now you'd rather face a, a Man City team that defense look, has its woes rather than an Everton team that can catch you on, on attack. Even if you have good defense, they can catch you on attack on the counter. So truly great, great performance by them. Yeah. I think that's an interesting point about, you know, how a lot of teams would probably rather play Man City right now than they would play Everton because, you know, obviously they have everything clicking. But I think uh, something that I want to comment on is, you know, there's every year there's an outside contender for Golden Boot. You know, there's there's somebody that's always in the race that you never would have thought at the beginning would have been there. And that might be Dominic Calvert-Lewin this year because, you know, last year it was Danny Ings with – I think he had 26, 27 goals and, you know, he was up there. He's top three. So I, I mean, this might be another one of those guys that this year that team clicks and they've got everything going right and they can score a bunch of goals and they could be a really fun team to watch. So 
Uh, hopefully this keeps going for them because I like to see Everton in a good place. I haven't seen them play this well since Lukaku was there probably. So, I mean, it's exciting to watch. Um, and it's always nice to have more competition out there. It makes every week so much more interesting. So, I mean, I don't know. I, Gareth, I want to ask you a question. If you had to pick – like, I want you to give us, you know, your analysis of this game and everything. But I want to put you on the spot really quick, Gareth. I want to ask you, if you could have one of these two players, would you rather have Dominic Calvert-Lewin or would you rather have Richarlison if you were starting a team? Mm, tough. That's a tough pick. Uh, you know, I think everyone's, everyone's sort of foreshadowing my pick here as he went, to, he, he can't, he went out of the frame for just a couple minutes to go grab a, his, one of his boys, one of his jerseys. I think Richarlison for right now is a, is a pretty good – pretty good uh, safe bet but Dominic Calvert-Lewin as of right now I think as you guys mentioned he's got that help now and he's it feels like maybe the the pressure maybe of him and, and Richarlison has has gone down a little bit and he can he can just focus on his role as uh, as Edwin sort of said so um so I think Richarlison uh is is a special player and a special talent and Edwin you got your hand raised up I just think it's interesting to think back on because I was just remembering now how we remember when Barcelona submitted that bid of a 70 million euro bid for Richarlison and we kind of laughed that off and saying, why do they want that? And now they're, they're, they're in a need for a nine. And that nine, I'm not saying it is Richarlison, but he can be that type of player they need, a player that can, you know, hold his own because, I mean, I'm not saying he is Suarez and don't take that out of quote, but he can play similar to a Suarez style that I think that would fit their system. So, I mean, now they may not be looking as dumb as we thought they once were. I mean, and this uh, Richarlison is a, a quality player. And I think, like you said, and why you you would want Richarlison is that he's shown it in the past. It's not just one season. I think now he's going to be able to contribute more because of that midfield. So, I mean, just adding more pieces around Richarlison is going to make him that much better. Imagine that on that Barcelona team. That would have been an insane signing. It sure would have, and uh, so they, Everton's going to play Brighton this weekend, and then mark your calendars for October 17th, boys. Guess who they're going to be playing? The reigning champs, Liverpool. That should be Ooh. a good one on October 17th, 7 o'clock a.m., so um, Edwin, we might have to pull an all-nighter for that one. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say the best team in Premier League, Leeds United, but okay. United or Fulham? <laughs> yeah, Fulham, oh, Fulham's clearly the best team. Oh, Fulham's yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, team. exactly, yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's go on to our final game from this weekend. Get your final takeaways. Liverpool-Arsenal, this was um, back on, on Monday, and uh, Liverpool taking the 3-1 win over Arsenal at Anfield. And uh, Arsenal struck first, got the goal on the, the mistake by Andy Robertson, but then they picked it up right after there. And, uh, you know, it's, I, I think just from – I don't know if you guys would agree, but it seems to just be a strong indication of maybe – how far Arsenal has to has to go in order to I know it is the reigning champs and, and a strong team of Liverpool, but it, it just it seems like it's how far how far they have to go in order to get back to competing against the best and making it more competitive or so. You wanna go first, Miller? I was gonna give you the range first. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah I can okay. go first. <laughs> Sorry, um, I was gonna let you yeah. So the one thing that I think could outline this game is I, I'm not gonna take anything away from Liverpool because you know it's Liverpool. We already everybody knows them, you know, they're like one of the best teams in the world. They're you, you don't even just don't touch them for right now. We're we're gonna talk about Arsenal here. <laughs> um so one of the classic pictures, one of the classic memes of all time in Arsenal FC's history is the picture of the Ferrari in, in, in the front, and then in the back half, it's, you know, like the broken-down car or the horse. 
So, and, and what that alludes to is, you know, obviously Arsenal have always had a really good offense for years and years and years. And their defense for the past four or five years has been everything short of, of really good. So I, I think that this is another game where, you know, we kind of looked at it the first week when Arsenal played. They brought in Gabrielle, who didn't play in this game, uh, for I, – I think, I think he might have been subbed on. I'm not sure if I remember that right. But, but the first game, Gabrielle started, and he looked really good. You know, Arsenal didn't concede a goal and everything like that their first game. And, and we were like, okay, Arsenal might be legit this year. And then they go play Liverpool, and this happens. Um, so it's one of those things where it's like, if you watch the game, you saw Arsenal had their fair ch- share of chances. All those guys up there, Lacazette's playing up there, Williams playing up there, all these guys that are up there creating chances and everything. They have, they have enough of those. They're, they're good with that. But the thing is, at the end of the day, when you ask Arsenal to defend, they just can't. So I, I think that it's one thing that, you know, that's why you can kind of continuously keep on, like, counting Arsenal out of being top four is because when it comes down to it, they just can't do the, fin- do the defending that they need to do at the end of the games to close games out and to put themselves in the elite status. So I, I think this is another one of those games where they looked really good at the beginning and then they just fell apart because, you know, the pressure of Liverpool is so tough to play out of. And when you don't have – defenders in the back that can play out of that it's it's even that much more tough so I mean I don't know Edwin what do you think it's it's truly tough because I think you put it best is that we I mean anyone watching the games could see that Arsenal looked like they were going to be a stronger team than any of us expected I don't think any of us truly talked about them being top four maybe confined that Europa League spot I think we all mentioned but I don't think we thought they were going to start as well. Maybe it's because they played a, you know, the West Ham's of the world. Again, I, I, I don't know if that's truly what, what it is. I hate to say that about the club I support, but I mean, it's definitely not the top, top notch club. And now they faced a actual team. This is where we're going to actually get tested. Cause I mean, we look at things like Barcelona and the champions league, they actually got tested by a Bayern, Bayern Munich team. And we know what that result was. And so things like this is, is truly going to tell a lot from your team. And I think it, it's going to show that they do have the holes. You know, I think a lot of Arsenal fans are, were happy with their, with their transfer window after the first few games, but now they realize, oh, we need a, a hour, we need a, a party. We need those kind of uh, parity. Uh, we need those type of players still. So, I mean, they still have their holes, but again, you can't discredit what uh, Arsenal's done early on. But again, this is a Liverpool team that, Yes, they they are they they're getting wins that the way they did. You know, sometimes this Liverpool team doesn't look as convincing as it should. So, but I mean, they start they started kind of slow, and it looks like they were lacking a little bit. But now it seems like they picked it up toward the end and figured things out because that's what Liverpool does well. So you truly gotta applaud Liverpool for the result, and that and that's and Liverpool's got to start better against those better teams if they want to get those three points uh, easier and better. Like to be that top team that we were talking about last year. Well, this should be exciting to watch. No, no team, even though you have Liverpool and Manchester City, they both have their, their woes. Uh, not every team is perfect. And so uh, each game is going to be important for, for each team to, to be able to progress and, and make those strides. But uh, those were, that was our Premier League weekend reaction. And uh, before we move on to uh, our next segment about the transfer news and as the window is about to conclude, there was a report uh, earlier this week, basically uh, reporting that the Premier League uh, is 
reportedly going to soften and the referees they're going to soften their application of the handball law because after uh, that was that's from espn.com uh, because of what happened this past weekend and how there were so many penalties awarded and uh, through the throughout the past couple of weeks and just all these ticky tack handballs so do you do you buy that they're gonna or are you glad to hear them say it or maybe do you buy it all that they're actually going to apply this new newfound thinking of okay yeah maybe we're not going to call this this is because you, you see it with you see it with defenders and how the hands I mean most of these handballs are just don't seem to be intentional at all I it's 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 a tricky situation um just the overall I don't know where my I think I truly I, I gotta let it develop I think that's the, that's the thing is you don't want to get stuck into this thinking already and and I don't think they're going to label that you know it is is kind of the way I'm looking at it right now I think it's something that maybe we can talk about even more in depth you know in in, in the future and see how how it, how it works out how it works but at the same time I I'm I'm still 50 50 more divided on it I, I don't know how Miller feel uh, Miller feels on the situation it's definitely a gray area, you know, like everything else is now in the world of sports because, you know, everything has to be perfect and everybody has to fix everything all the time. But uh, the thing about a handball is whether it's intentional or unintentional, the rule has always been, you know, if it hits your hand and the, the way that the ball moves after that is um, – it's kind of dependent that that kind of depends on how the handball goes because you know let's say if somebody takes a shot and it hits somebody in the arm it's got to be a handball because you know if their hand's not there because you know it's not supposed to touch their hand hands not there then it's gonna be a shot on goal most likely so you got to call that a handball or you know what i'm saying so it, it depends on how the ball moves after it touches the hand and what the context of the situation is and i think that's gonna be what's so hard in the future if they change the rules a little bit in determining you know whether or not they want to enforce a new handball rule or whatever it is a replay whatever they decide to do but I, I think it's already such a difficult thing because you know sometimes it's intentional sometimes it's not and more often than not it's it's not intentional but it's there so it really kind of depends on how they go about it. But I, I just don't think that right now that there, there's a really good way to go about trying to fix this rule because I think it would make it more complex than it needs to be. So It's, it's going to be tricky, and I think it will be something that it's going to have to be ironed out throughout the, throughout the season. But you're already seeing it from the get-go already. Lots of, lots of teams appealing for handball, even on the replay. Just It doesn't look that natural. It looks very ticky-tack. But uh, that's going to be something that we'll have to be have to keep our eyes out for as the season goes on. Uh, let's move on now to our transfer news and our transfer rumors segment that we've had for the past couple of weeks. Of course, the window is coming uh, to a close very shortly. I believe within a week, around um, the first week of October or so. But uh, I'm going to give you guys. We're, we got three transfers here, and uh, I want you guys to give a, a letter grade for each and every one of them. Uh, when you guys are making your points. But let's start with Luis Suarez going to Atletico Madrid. Uh, it's a two-year, six million euro deal. Um, of course, he was at Barcelona for such a long time during their 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 amazing years with, with him, Messi, and Neymar. And now he is off to Atletico, kind of very similar to 
when David Villa was at, at Barcelona and then he went to Atletico. So uh, I'll ask you both quick. Maybe Edwin can start off first. Uh, he's the, our Barcelona expert. And uh, what, what grade do you give this one here? Oh, if it was if he went to Real Madrid, will we go to the Real Madrid expert first? And uh, yeah, we, the Barcelona we, we, expert. We expert. <laughs> okay, I just, I just had to clear that up before. I <laughs> Unlike the tricky situation that um, is the handball situation, like I said, we kind of have to let it see and develop. This Luis Suarez thing, I think, is clear. I think I'm gonna give it. I I think it's fair to give it a A minus and up. I'm not gonna give it that. I think I'm gonna give it a. B, just because I want to see how they play the player. I think this could be – this for the value – no, I'm going to give it B plus because of his value because of how much they had to spend for him. But he's he knows how to play in La Liga. He knows how to score. Those, those things are great. But, I mean, he's going to – I'm assuming he's going to start on the bench a few times and, you know, maybe start. But, I mean, you have a Yao Felix and – will that impact his time? Like, I don't think it should, and I don't think they will. I think they should play both on top if they do, if they do have Suarez start. I don't know how the uh, Simone is going to approach this, but if this will take a time away from Yao Felix, that's why I'm giving a B plus because I don't think it deserves the A. But if they fit that role of Luis Suarez where he's going to come in off the bench sometimes if they're going to play a 4-3-3 and just have one on top, then, you know, fair. But – if they're gonna if they're gonna strictly start Suarez and say, all right, y'all, Felix, you're gonna hit the bench, you know, the young guy that's supposed to be all that, and you know, he he sparks at times, but we're not gonna give him time to develop. Then obviously, I'm gonna drop that down to like a B minus C plus. So I'm gonna give it a B plus to start off the value, what he can do, goal scoring. But it, it's truly a situation I don't think people are thinking about with is that Yao Felix situation with this kind of signing. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, probably because I wasn't thinking about that. Um, but I think in terms of a letter grade that I would have to give this, I'd have to give it an A flat out 95 for me out of a hundred, because I mean, if you look at it, you know, Gareth highlighted in the question, it's a 6 million Euro deal for two years. Obviously he's an older guy. He's at the end of his, uh, at the end of his career, you know, definitely on the downward hill, but at the same time, um, I don't think you even really have to expect much out of the guy. Like he doesn't need to go score. 30, 40 goals this season for this to be a successful signing. I think what you're going to look at is the biggest moments for Luis Suarez will be the Champions League moments uh, and the Copa del Rey moments when, you know, he's in there to try and help Atletico win silverware because, you know, the past few years we've obviously, like, especially since whenever they were in the final, Atletico's been in Champions League, you know what I'm saying? They, they've been uh, obviously not in the league, really, to try and win La Liga because, you know, that probably that, – that just never happens. But, like, I'm saying Champions League in the big moments when they play other teams, Luis Suarez is a guy that has always given defenders fits, and he's always somebody to deal with. And I don't think that Atletico has really ever had that, to be honest. Like, they, they've had Diego Costa, who's sure – he's a good player. He's always been a good player and he's a bigger guy. He's a rougher guy. He has a certain gritty play style to him, but Luis Suarez is somebody that genuinely, whenever he picks the ball up around the box, he could score from anywhere. He's one of those strikers. That's really good that way. Of course, he's a dirty player. I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of the guy, but he's a really, really talented player. And I think at the end of the day, that's just what it comes down to. You, you get two years out of the guy for 6 million euros. That's, a really good deal, especially when you're looking at somebody like Atletico who doesn't bring in a lot of players for a lot of money 
they like to grow their own players and sell their own players and that's how they make their money and that's how they make the moves. So I, I think that obviously the exception being Joao Felix, but, but, you know, you look at most of the other players that they've had, they've had moved on from other players and, you know, they bring in players that these kind of bargain bin deals and things like that. They were looking at getting Edison Cavani earlier this window. And, you know, there was a lot of other people that they've been looking at the past couple of years that have kind of been in talks with helping them out with the offense. And I think Luis Suarez is going to be the best offensive player that Atletico has bought in a really, really long time. Well, high, high praise from our, from our professors here on, on Luis Suarez, um, 95 on one. And then I guess we'll say a, a, an 88. Is that a B plus? Is that an 88 or 89? Uh, 88.5. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that going to get rounded up for him? Uh, depending, I'm telling you, it all depends on the rest of the class. It depends <laughs> on the rest of the class and how they perform, man. All right, well, that's fair. Let's let's go to our next transfer, um, our grade. It's uh, Nelson Semedo to Wolves, and uh, he, he's going to Wolves for 30 million euros guaranteed and uh, 10 million in add-ons. Uh, so Semedo, Portuguese, going to a, a, a Portuguese coach in uh, Nuno. So uh, Barcelona expert Edwin Perez here. What's your grade? Man, I'm getting put on the spot. Not, we're not even getting the Wolverhampton expert to talk about this one. No, that's no, right. I'll, I'll talk first a little bit about it. But uh, you're giving a grade for this one for sure, all right? Uh, but I'll, what I'll say is uh, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll divide it up. Number one, Wolverhampton should just call themselves Portugal and just and spend all their money and buy Ronaldo at this point and just go buy, just buy, the, buy the rest of the international team. That's literally what they go for. Their third kit, or uh, I think this their third kit, looks like the Portugal, Portugal kit. I'm, I'm, right. just, you're just, right. You're right. It looks pretty similar. It's it's they're just Portugal now. It's this is what <laughs> this is what you should get used to if you if you're a Wolverhampton, you're wondering who you're going to go for next. Look at the next young Portuguese that hasn't been copped by a big big club. You know, like if Yao Felix was still uh, not wasn't on Atletico Madrid, I bet you that would have been their best signing other than Fabio Silva. So that would have been their their biggest signing, but Nelson Smedo. Let me talk about the player. Uh, can't can't disrespect him like that. I think Nelson Smedo is a a solid right back. I think a lot of people are, are going to point at that eight two score line, fairly so, and blame a lot on Smedo. And I think he was a a pretty big part of it. I'm not going to say it's all on him. That clearly not. That eight two is on your whole defense. But Nelson Smedo, he just the situation of Barcelona. It was not his play style. Like it. Barcelona requires a right back that can attack one that's willing to have good crosses that can be part of the attack, aka the Sergino Dest of the world, which is why they signed him. But that's we'll talk about that one. That's official. But this Nelson Smith is more of a defensive minded, and that's what Wolverhampton needed. They needed to push Traore up to the right wing spot so he could stay in the attack, um, you know, not be gassed by the 70th minute and not have any energy. He can be able to contribute the whole 90 minutes and be able to contribute to the attack. I say that now, but obviously Nelson Smedo in his first start got wrecked by West Ham 4-0, but I don't think that's fair, fair for the player. I think he's a solid right back. What I would give it, I mean, Barcelona really didn't want the player, and they had to pay $40 million for the player. I think that's kind of crazy. So I would, I, for the value, I think B-, minus, but... I think the ceiling, it has a potential of a B-plus, A-minus, because I think he is a solid player. And I think Nuno Santos being a Portuguese coach can get the best, something that Sensian couldn't do and any of the former Barcelona managers could do. All right. 
Edwin, I'm going to do to you what you did to me for the first one. I'm going to say there's one player you got to think about in this transaction, and that is Adama Traore. Because yeah. Adama Traore doesn't want to play right back. He wants to play right wing, you know? And to be fair, Wolves haven't really had a right back. That's really worth two cents. But <laughs> uh, the biggest thing is I think that this was a signing that might help Adama Traore maybe want to extend his time at Wolves because obviously, you know, we talked about the Portuguese factor of Wolves and Nuno being the manager and everything. Honestly, at this point, I think that Benfica and Wolves should just link up and become a super team, uh, just like a big super club and just pool all their money and players together. It'd be great. I think that'd be really good. Um, but the biggest thing is for me is that I don't, I don't like the signing and the fact that Nelson Semedo is – he's a good player, but he's – but that's unproven. You know, anybody can watch him play and say, okay, he's a good player. But it, the thing is, over season's times uh, where he hasn't fit into a squad or he's been injured, he hasn't been proven – like he hasn't been able to prove himself as a good player, a consistent player in this spot. So I hope that he can do that on Wolves. Um, but, but I do like the signing and the fact that, okay, it's 30 million and under, he's a younger guy. He's played with Barcelona. So obviously he's developed somewhat. It's going to help Traore out, um, tons. So he doesn't have to play as much defense. He doesn't have to spend all that time, you know, back on defense. I think that'll help him out a little bit more when, you know, Wolves try to go and counterattack and everything like that. Um, and I think it opens up the flexibility of the, formations that Wolves get to play as well because they're used to playing a three or five in the back where you know there's a wing and it's usually Traore and whoever else on the left side that they choose to put out there that's unlucky enough to have to play that because that's the hardest position in the world is having to run on offense and come back on defense every single time and so I think when you have a four in the back they're capable of playing four in the back now uh Nelson Semedo if he can stay healthy should be able to help that and it should make this team 10 times better than they are um, but for my grade overall, I'm going to give it a B right now. So kind of similar to what Edwin's was. And I think the potential of it is high, but I'm not going to, I'm going to say it caps off at a B plus for me. All right. A B for Nelson Semedo. I probably share the same sentiment as well. I'm eager to see how that will work in the system. I think, uh, that will definitely take some, take some of the burden off Adama, which, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll see what that, where, well, that happens. But, uh, you know, Miller, you did such a great job of foreshadowing our, our next transfer because you mentioned Benfica. So guess who our next transfer is? Uh, Ruben Diaz from Benfica. Wow. So Manchester City, you like that transition there, bud? You like that? That was sick. That was I'm sick. So much better transitions. <laughs> Go watch Lockheed. Oh, no. I, this is a good one. This is a good one. I knew I had this one planned. Oh, my. <laughs> I oh, had this my. one planned. 68 million euros. From Benfica to Manchester City, Ruben Diaz is center back uh, in, in the deal as well. Nicholas Odomenti, he's also going to be going to Benfica as well for $15 million. So a little bit of a swap there. But Ruben Diaz, six foot one, 23 years old. Of course, Manchester City have had all those links and rumors to Kaldu Koulibaly and whether they would sign him. Uh, but instead, they go out and get this guy, Ruben Diaz, uh, a very young center back. Um, so I'll get, I'll let you guys take your, your letter grade, of course, but also what does this mean for Manchester city? And if they decide to keep going after Caldu Koulibaly, or is this a sign that maybe they're not going to get him? Uh, I'm going to start off by saying, uh, I think Man City is playing chess. Uh, 
while Wolverhampton's playing checkers because you know where Diaz is going to end up. It's going to be a Wolverhampton player sooner than later because he was in the Portuguese leagues. So, you know, I think they're, they're banking that they're going to make money in the long term. But uh, to be serious about it, I mean, I think Benfica keeps winning in this window. I know people are going to say, well, Otamendi is definitely not the same player and things like that. But, I mean, he's still a player that can produce. And in the Portuguese league, you're not looking for that. You don't have to defend as well as you do in the Premier League. You don't have to be a Virgil van Dyke, you know. You have to be just a solid defense. And that that signing of Nicholas Onomeni, he's a solid defender. He can do that. And he's linking up with some some other players that have gone uh, already from the Premier League to Benfica. So, overall, I think it's a solid signing for Benfica. When it comes to Ruben Diaz, I think they realize the Koulibaly signing is going to be more complicated and I think this is the sign that, oh, wait, I don't think we're actually going to uh, able to pull this off. You know, maybe they can. And, you know, I'll, I'll sit back and uh, I'll, I'll admit that <laughs> if they do, if they're able to sign it, you know, they'll surprise me. But I don't think they'll be able to do it because, I mean, I think the Manchester United, um, giving a little transition in the future, I think Man United is doing a similar situation with the Luzman and Dembele realizing with the Sancho situation. So what am I going to give it letter grade wise? I truly do not know if he's truly worth as much euros i think that's just them saying oh it's just a big sign you know it's gonna be our cool bali you know maybe we can't get cool bali but he's gonna be that for us but i'm gonna give it for all the rumors and all the hype that we're gonna have cool bali we're gonna have all the best defenders they were literally linked with all the big ones i'm gonna give it a b minus a slash c plus you know it's, it's it's going there i'm not hating on the player i'm not hating i'm just talking about the situation as a whole and how they failed because it basically it's their number two signing you know i'm saying like that wasn't their main option that's their number two so that's why i'm gonna give it that later grade no hate against the player i think he can be a great player for manchester city okay i'm gonna start off giving my grade and then i'll explain why um i'm gonna say this is a c plus for me so that's the floor of all the grades that we've had so far let me explain to you why um the biggest thing uh, I kind of want to go back to what I said about Nelson Semedo a little bit. Um, Nelson Semedo, the problem with him is that he's kind of, I said, he's not proven that he's a good player. Well, Ruben Diaz hasn't proven that he's anything. You know, he, he's playing in the Portuguese league, which isn't a bad league, to be fair. But at the same time, it's not a league that you want to be playing, playing in for the rest of your career. So a move like this to Man City to play in the best league in the world is the only thing you can ask for. So my biggest thing is um, I think that the price tag is way too expensive, first off, for Ruben Diaz. For an unproven player, I think that the price tag of $55 million alone for him is just absolutely absurd, um, especially when there's a player like Nelson Semedo who also plays defense, and he's been at Barcelona, and he comes to the Premier League for $30 million. So, you know, almost half. Um, so I think that – all things rounded out, this is just Man City not being able to get Koulibaly in the first place uh, because they didn't want to spend that much on Koulibaly, which would have been 70, 80 mil probably. And then you go and you say, well, who else is there left? Well, you'd probably rather get a young, younger guy than an older guy. So I think this was a little bit of a dice roll. And Pep saying, you know, to the board that, hey, you know, I know you guys will spend money if I ask you to. Uh, so you want to go buy this defender for me? 
So I, I think that it was a situation where they kind of got locked up on their options and Pep knew desperately that Man City needed another option outside of Laporte because, you know, obviously he's been injured here and there the past couple seasons. And John Stones just can't even lick the bottom of anybody's shoe because he's so bad. So I, I think that this signing is more out of desperation than anything else. Um, they get to, they did, however, get to dump Otamendi, who's been at the club for years and hardly ever sees the field. So I, I think that that's a bit of a good move as well. But the one thing I want to touch up on is we've been talking about Benfica a lot, obviously, Joao Felix, Gedson Fernandez, who's now at Tottenham, all these guys that have been coming out of Benfica. I want to bring up something that I wanted to say about this club the last time uh, we were on a podcast, but I forgot. So there's the club with the most player sales from the last 10 years. And this is from September 15th. So this was 15 days ago before this even happened. Number one in the world. Can you guess who it is? It's Benfica. And in the last 10 years, Benfica have sold players for a total of 910 million euros. 910 million euros. That's a lot in 10 years. That's almost 100 million euros every year that they're gaining. And now you add the 55 million on there. So they're almost over a billion euros in the last 10 years. That's nuts. First off, that's nuts. So honestly, I just want to say bravo to them. What a club, like way to get that done because that is just absolutely outstanding. But at the end of the day, I think that <laughs> moves like this one where, you know, clubs go out, they get desperate, and they know that Benfica have good players that tend to overpay for them a little bit. So I think that this is another situation of that, and that's why I'm going to give it a C+. Plus. Um, I just want to say, like I said, I, this is why I think, you know, what Miller said is key, and uh, I did not see that stat, but that's why I always think Benfica wins those transfer windows. This is why I think – Portugal, you know, a lot of people do like to support Porto. I support Benfica because I think they're smart with their business, you know. They don't hold on to their players too much. This is why they have the profit, you know. I'm not saying Yao Felix is not the biggest thing, but he only played half a year, and Atletico Madrid was willing to offer that much money for him. I mean, of course, like the Barcelona side, we know with the Ivan Rakitic, at one point PSG offered 7 million euros. They said no. Now you see how much he Sevilla got him for. I think it was like 2 or 3 million that – so, like, the old clubs like that can be able to, to do smart moves, and they, that's how they have long-term success. I mean, obviously, it's just Portugal where they were in the Premier League. It would be a different situation. But, I mean, this is why they're the top-notch club in Portugal. And, I mean, this move alone with Ruben Diaz, I think it equates to four or five moves that they did in their own window. So, that basically wipes out those moves. So, the, economically, it makes sense for them. I think, you know, they're, uh, now they have, like, $28 million or $30 million to spend that spent in this window, which is solid for a team that I think has re uh, gotten the reinforcements they needed. So that's all I need to say. Yeah, this is a, a, a player that has uh, has potential. It's going to be him and, him and Ake at, at the center back position. And, uh, well, of course, they also still have Laporte as well. But, um, it, you know, it's funny because it was I, I saw this also on the – on while well, looking – doing some research, but that they – the Man City website, I think they had like a little mini press release for Ruben Diaz to explain, to, to, to show that he's going to wear the number three uniform. And, and at the very end, they have a little link that I guess is their little public forum. City sends, new signing, ask Kalidou Koulibaly a question. 
It was very interesting, uh, you know, food for thought. You don't have to answer it, but or, or yes, to get you know. journalism from our own gear clock, you you will hey, not hey, 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 until hey, you hey, know hey. the answers. Look, look, look. All right, you know, you, well, you make of it what you will, but maybe was was City close to getting Kaladu Kulabali? You know, food for thought, right? Uh, I won't let you guys have the end. I won't have you guys answer that, but that was something you can just look it up now uh, on, on the internet. Uh, the internet's so great these days. Um, let's move on to our <laughs> let's move on to our next and last transfer rumor. Uh, this is a deal that has not been done, but it is a rumor. It is a link. We love talking about rumors and links here on the show. Usman Dembele to Manchester United? Question mark. Um, so Manchester <laughs> United they want a loan for him, the, the French winger, and um, there are reports that he does want to stay in Barcelona. Um, but Barcelona, I think, as Miller and Edwin talked about earlier in the show, they want to sell him, get rid of him. Um, so, um, I guess, man, we have our two experts here. I know. I was going to say, where is Gareth going to go? Where is Gareth going to go? Is he going to go with the Barcelona yeah, man? Where right. Or is he going to go for the rumored? Uh, let, let's, go with our, let's go with our Manchester United expert first here. Okay, okay. I respect that. Our Manchester okay. United expert first here. Miller McHaney reporting. Uh, Jadon Sancho that plan A doesn't seem like it's going to pan out so now this is uh, the next plan Uh, so Usman Dembele on a loan if this were to happen um, would this be a good move I'd love to give you an answer to that Gareth Um, but I think that the biggest thing is that obviously, let me let me lay it out for you really quickly. Uh, Barcelona obviously signed Dembele a couple years ago mm-hmm. um, from Dortmund, which was a great signing because Dembele was a really really good prospect in every sense of the word. He's doesn't have a weak foot, to be fair. And when you come along a player that's like that, that's that's already number one top priority. That's amazing, especially when you get it as a winger. That's nuts. Because obviously, cut and shoot, play you could play on either side if you really wanted to. Um, I, I think that the, the, to be honest, that he's a really good player, but he's one of those players that's unfortunately he's a really good young player, but he's been very, very injury prone. So obviously, Barcelona paid all this money for him, and you know, they've done that with Coutinho, they've done that with these other guys, and I think that the biggest thing is that oh my gosh i almost just oh my gosh okay i I think that i think that the biggest thing about this deal is that obviously man united such as manchester city are desperate as well because the biggest talk of the summer is man united are trying to get Jaden sancho back to england from Dortmund, and manchester united won't make the bid they've been lowballing every single target this year that's why they've lost out on gareth bale they've lost out on sergio regulon they somehow got Van de Beek because I guess nobody made a qualifying offer. But they, they've missed out on all these guys. They still haven't made a bid for Alex Tellez yet. Um, all this stuff is going on. Um, and they've lowballed Jaden Sancho as well multiple times. So I, I think that it's one of those things where Man United right now, for some reason, aren't looking to spend the money that they need to to get more players, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me as you're one of the richest clubs in the world. Um, so I think it's tough to see that, but I think that part of it goes into they know, okay, this player is injury prone. He's had some issues. Obviously, he's made a glass. Um, so what they want to do is they want to keep options open for, them, for themselves, get a loan for this player, 
with a potential buyout at the end of his deal. So, you know, if he comes and plays really well, then they can buy him out and he can stay at United for however long they decide to after that. But, but Barcelona wants to be rid of this player. So they're flat out saying, no, we want to sell him. Uh, and this is the price tag. We'll meet you around somewhere. If you like lowball us or if you go over, we'll meet you at it. Um, but obviously United hasn't done that. They're still looking for a loan because Sancho is going to be on a free next year. His contract at Dortmund will expire. So I think that United are trying to get a loan to keep their options open to get Sancho next year uh, when they don't have to deal with Dortmund on that price tag for a transfer fee. So I, I think that this would be a decent signing if Manchester United can happen to get the loan deal for Dembele, but I just don't want them to get bullied into buying him from Barcelona because I think that that would be a really bad option to be stuck with an Alexis Sanchez type of deal where it's a player that, you know, either doesn't fit in the squad or gets hurt and we spend all this money on him and we can't do anything about him. So I think that uh, if anything, I hope that nothing happens, um, but we'll see how this deal goes in the next couple of days. Uh, I'm going to play devil's advocate. I hope Barcelona do sell him. <laughs> <laughs> They're smart about this because I do think Usmani can be a solid player, dynamic player. It, is he going to be that player that we once hyped, that once was worth the money that Barcelona buy? I truly can't answer that. I, I would say no for now because how much he does get injured in a situation like that. But, I mean – you have to cut your ties at some points. You know, sometimes you can't just keep going back and forth into the injury, like things like that. I'm not going to say he's like a Derrick Rose, but I mean, eventually the Bulls had to get rid of Derrick Rose because of the injuries and stuff like that. You got to realize you do have to get rid of a player after after a, a time. And this could be a time where you don't let Maine United have an option to loan. This is what they want you to do, right? They want, they want to be able to say, all right, we got Dembele. We're just going to chuck him on the bench now that we know Sancho's is going to come in the summer when it comes to January and, you know, he'll come in from time to time when, you know, we don't want to play the Greenwoods and, you know, all the big players at Man United, we're going to put the garbage time. We're going to put Dembele in. That's not what you want. Cause that's going to hurt your development and things like that. And Coleman has said he, he does, he plans to use Dembele, but not super, like he's not a super important thing of his plan. So if that's true, then you got to cut, cut him. You got to not cut him. I mean, you just got to sell him and get that money so you can buy people that you need to buy, like the Garcias of the world, the Memphis Depay, you know, things like that, where that, that, those are your uh, people you, sh you should buy. So um, as, Garrett, as Garrett said, you know, is he worth a sell? Question mark. I think Barcelona should sell him in, in this situation, get the money and invest it elsewhere. Because I think they, they're off to a great a great signing with Sergino Des. And if they can get a Depay and Garcia, I think I'd be happy with that window. And next window, he's, uh, you can use some of the money uh, of that Dembele transfer for Erling Alon, you know, the, those type of players that they're going to get rumored with. So got to be smart with it and realize you do need profit. You do need money. And also the way La Liga rules works right now, in order to get a player, you do have to sell a player. Like they have, they're strict. They're they're strict on the wages now. So Barcelona can't get away with having to the, the highest wages in the world. No, they can't do that anymore. So they got they got to be able to get rid of Dembele if they want Memphis to pie. So that's that that's the way I I look at it. Okay, so saying that Wolves is Portugal and now Barcelona is about to be the Netherlands in this case. And when you when you say here, huh? 
Uh, yeah, but um, I would like to say uh, Giordino Dest was a smart signing and Depay is just <laughs> smart. We're not wasting the most money on either one of them. Uh, <laughs> unlike the Portugal who are willing to spend uh, 60, I mean, was willing to spend 50 plus on a guy we don't know. We think he's going to be really good to silver the world, but that could be all his hype. So that's what I'll say, but I mean, uh, yeah. well, we, we can, we'll, well, this will be on and off banter without a doubt. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's what we do with this show, but, uh, all right. Well, thanks again for your, for your grades that you gave and for our, as our transfer news. And, uh, let's, as we about to kind of get into the home stretch here on this show, uh, let's, uh, you have your hand raised. What's up? Yes. You know, let me introduce this next thing. I'm just, I know you're going to go all in. Listen, Bayern Munich, great start of the season. Oh, they beat Sevilla, a team that they should beat pretty easily. They lost to Hoffenheim. Oh, no, they're going to be in trouble. Will they lose the league to Hoffenheim? Miller, he's going to ask for a question to you to ask about that. And he's then he's going to talk about, oh, they barely beat Dortmund. Is Dortmund actually going to compete this year with them? It's the same question. This, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be rude or anything, but I just know where this is going to be headed. And I'm going to put my point down. Bayern Munich are the best team in the world right now, no question. They are they are going to win this league. They are going to compete in Champions League, and they may win it. You know, uh, we, we don't know because the Champions League is such a long tournament that, I don't know, maybe a Liverpool will become the best team in the world for some reason and do that. But right now there is no question that this Bayern Munich team is the best team in the world. This rivalry between Dortmund is so one-sided now right now because, yes, Dortmund can compete, and sure, the, they have the best chance, but Bayern Munich know how to beat them. They figure out their way. The goal was late. Granted, yes, I give props to Dortmund for keeping it close. But this is a Bayern Munich who knows what they're doing. They caught the win. They got what they needed. And they get goals from, I mean, anywhere and anyone, basically. I mean, someone there's going to be a new defender and anything like that. So, yes, I'm expecting to talk about Bayern Munich in two weeks when they probably end up drawing someone that they shouldn't. And then we're going to be asking, is this Bayern Munich season's decline of a season? I am expecting that. And, yes, Bayern is still the best team in the world. So uh, if you care, uh, I'll hand it over to you to introduce it, introduce it a little more. But I think I gave a fair yeah, point. yeah. Thanks for that great answer before the introduction <laughs> of uh, I was about to give my I was about to give my little you know deal I guess as far as introducing the topic. I mean that's what the moderator does in this case. Um, but yeah, Miller, um, Edwin sort of talked about it, and uh, I'll ask you very quickly. Your answer can be short because I think I know what you're gonna say. <laughs> Is Bayern still the best team in the world right now? Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> there's just nobody else right now that's, you know, you can talk about the form and everything. You say, okay, they lost to Hoffenheim. Big deal. Um, I mean, obviously, there's games that people lose. You know, Man City just lost to Leicester 5-2. Am I going to say that Leicester's a better team than Man City? Absolutely not, because I'm not a writhing idiot. So, at the end of the day, um, yes, Byron is still the best team in the world by far. But the one thing I won't brush you off on, Gareth, because Edwin is right, you know, this is something that everybody can maybe see coming. But the one thing I will say to you is this Dortmund and Byron game, Edwin touched up on it a little bit. It was a late goal, sure. Um, and obviously, like we said, Byron have been a little bit more one-sided of, you know, this – kind of derby I guess you could whatever you want to call it in Germany what the the this big game that they have every year twice a year um this was actually a really good game 
I, I don't know if you watched it, but this was actually a really good game. And, and the one thing that you can always say about Bayern and about uh, Dortmund the last, I'd say, about five or six years is these are teams that can score fast. So games are never out of hand when you're playing these two teams because uh, the way that they play and the players that they have and the tactics from the coaches that they have that they like to imply into the games – uh, they're very fast-paced games. They're very fast-scoring games. And if you blink, you can miss one of the goals like that. So I, I think that these are always really good games to watch, especially, you know, um, it's a nice t- difference in change of pace from the Premier League and La Liga and things like that because everything's so much more of a buildup and things like that, whereas this is just bam, 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 bam all the time. And they're really quality players too. So I think that, uh, you know, obviously – at the end of the day, it was a good game, and, and Bayern are going to have their stumbles. Everybody does every season. Um, but I think that, you know, it's just sometimes things happen. I mean, you know, the Liverpools of the world, they, they, lose to, they lose to Watford. You know, they almost lose to West Ham, even if they've gone unbeaten in 371 days. So I, I think that, you know, obviously Bayern aren't going to be touchable again this season. I just don't think that there's another team close enough to be able to beat them. But always, always watch their games against Dortmund if you can. This should be uh, the, the, the team to watch. If, you, if you, you want to watch any team show, you know, some exemplary football every game. Bayern Munich seems to be that team right now as Edwin shakes his head. Um, we, you know, we love talking about Byron on this show. Evelyn loves talking about Byron. Miller loves talking about Byron. Um, <laughs> as, uh, as that was Byron Munich, their start to the 2020-2021 season. They've already secured the quintuple, the, the, the five trophies, and it's already been one heck of a year, a historic year for them in the year of the pandemic. And uh, all right, let's get into our final two segments. Uh, we, we're going to bring in our, our expert now here, Miller McKaney. Uh, who is going to share with everyone who's listening out there games that you could potentially bet on if you're you're thinking about being a little cheeky with your money, you know? <laughs> Glad to be back, Gareth. I really appreciate that introduction. Yeah, and I'm getting the fist pump, and, and that's what, exactly what we needed at 1028 here on, on this Wednesday night because there is nowhere else that you should want to be other than here. But – I would say that um, last week I kept up with my picks. I went two and two last week. Um, the real stunner, I because the, the thing is I picked a tie between uh, Chelsea and Liverpool, and that just didn't happen. That was kind of a risky pick. The one pick I did sincerely lose on, though, is I picked Newcastle to beat Brighton, and they got absolutely spanked three to zero in that game. So that was a really tough look for me. Um, and this week, I'm going to be shameless, and I'm going to go right back to it. Brighton and Everton are playing this weekend. And if I was you, I would lay the house and the entire kitchen sink on Everton this weekend. I think that there's no other pick to go about it, and the odds should be pretty decent. Um, so that's one of the games I would bet on because, obviously, Everton have won five of their last five. They're really hot, like we've talked about. They've got some goal scorers that have scored in almost every game that they've played in since the start of the Premier League and a little bit before that even. So I would definitely bet on Everton that game. Um, The second game, which is a game that I would say you definitely have to watch, 
you don't even have to bet on it, but I would like to say that you should bet on it because um, Brian, Manchester United and Tottenham are playing this weekend. Biggest game of the weekend probably before the international break, so I would definitely bet on that game. And honestly, I could see this game going in any way, shape, or form. So whatever you feel like betting on, because I am i don't want to say bet United because, you know, they should, but I don't want to say bet United. But you, you can pick anything you want, really. I think this will be a really good game, so if you have a bias, go with it. And then the other game that I would say bet on this weekend is Leicester and West Ham. Obviously, Leicester are coming off a huge win against Man City that we talked about and everything like that. Um, but I actually think this game is going to be a lot closer than a lot of people think, and the odds will probably reflect that. So I would say if you have a chance, maybe pick a Leicester and West Ham tie this weekend. But those are my three picks. I mean, we do got to say we can't compensate you if the Everton pick doesn't land. If you do lose your house and your kitchen sink, we do not. We Guaranteed or your money back. <laughs> I mean, Garrett Clock may, may, but that's also a different discussion outside the podcast. <laughs> right. I know, I, at least I can't. I can't. I, I'm willing to bet that, though. If yeah. Brighton come out of the out of the gate and they just whoop Everton, I'm, I might have to to call in call in the movers here, man. I might have yeah. to. Take, well, like, yeah, if, I'm gonna have to I supplement have to that. that. I'm, <laughs> to, I'm gonna have to supplement that with a quote from our great friend Trevor Leaf and uh, Griffin Peters, who like to say that uh, when betting on something, if you know it's a lock, you should take a loan out of the bank, and you should put all your money from the loan on that game, and that way, if you win. You can pay back the bank all the loan money, and you still have the other half. So I thought you were going to go with the other one, where it's like, don't don't ever bet the under or the over. No, those are a little bit more vanilla. I like to keep it outside of the box on the show. <laughs> oh yeah, we always like to keep things outside the box here on dissecting the pitch as we enter our final segment here on this show. Here, uh, recording this, we're recording this on Wednesday again. We're thinking this is going to go live on Friday on our radio show and on our podcast at blazeradioonline.com and then of course find us on apple podcast and on spotify but mr edwin perez what do we got for our edwin segment let's go i'm definitely gonna uh just, let's just say your transition games are not as good as me and nick ziller seeing on the lock-in podcast make sure to listen into that but uh that's not something we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about segment and you know we are all FIFA players, and I think that is fairly so and fairly documented. And they've dropped some ratings that have people questioning, is it fair, is it not? And I'm going to ask you guys some – these are some ratings. The first this first group is going to be some ratings that people feel is undeserved. You know, like let's say Anime Traore, and let's say they gave him the speed of 92. Obviously, they gave him 96, but let's say they gave him the speed of 92. I'm going to ask you, what do you think uh, – his rating is in FIFA in that specific trait. Close to one gets the point, and then uh, I'm gonna ask if it's fair or not. You know, oh, before, we, before we begin, uh, just a coincidence that you come up with this segment uh, like the day after you you pre-ordered the game. Of course, of course, got to keep it fresh. You know, I mean, uh, don't act like you didn't want a game share. We got to keep it out of the real. I bought it. Details <laughs> being leaked out here. <laughs> don't act like you don't want the game as much as I do. And I know Miller over there also wants FIFA, so we all we all love and appreciate FIFA. So I felt like we should do a FIFA segment. So we are going to start off with Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. 
this is not my list. Again, let it be known. I'm not putting my stance into it. But Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, what is his overall rating? Can I go first? I know it. Yeah. 87. Bingo. Sorry, uh, Miller gets the point to start off. Gareth, I'll ask you then, do you think that's a fair rating? Mm, I think I'd give him an 88, maybe. Give him an 88. I mean, he was a... He's almost. He was in the running there for the Golden Boot. So, or did he? Did he win the Golden Boot last last year? I think he did, right? I believe he did. If I am, he not. did. He he won the go- Golden Boot. Was an eighty eight last year, and somehow goes down to an eighty seven. How does that make any sense? <laughs> yeah, I think he should at least stay in eighty eight. I, I eighty nine is when you get into pretty elite company. But I'd say eighty eight. You would. She should have stayed at his original rating. Bingo, and I'm so uh, going to give Miller the point. We start winning one out. So, Gareth, I'll go to you first this, this time. Uh, is Sancho, we talked about him a bit. You know, he's known for his being pacey. And, uh, I know this one, too. People are mad about the pace that he has, so be careful because I think Miller knows. What is the pace that Sancho was given by FIFA? I think I, saw the, I think I saw this, too. Is it 82? Ooh, incorrect. We're going to have to go to Miller McKinney for 83. This. 83 is correct. We got two <laughs> oranges out here, all right? <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to give the point. I think we all can agree. It's not fair. I think the man deserves a little more pace. I mean, I wish it because I always do buy him in career mode, but that's going to be a different discussion. So we're going to move on to the next player. I got to give Miller the first chance because, I mean, I did give you the first chance last time. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, so, Nabry, you know, the Bayern Munich player. We love talking yeah. about Bayern Munich here. Um, another pacey player. And a lot of people are uh, do not like what they give him for pace. So, Miller, I'm asking you, what did FIFA give him for pace? Mm, I'm trying to think because I definitely saw his card and he's definitely 85 overall, but I don't remember exactly what his pace was. I'm going to go with – I'm going to go with – 87. Ooh, incorrect. I will say, uh, Garrett, since you're behind by two, he is a few off. So that's all, all I'm going to say. Um, I'm going to say, I thought I was, I thought it was 82. It is 82. Nice job, bud. There is what? They gave him 82? I know. Look, Miller, you know it's EA. They're trying to nerf these sweats, these sweaty wingers, you know. They're just trying to make sure they – Players don't abuse them in the game. That's simply what it is. You know that. Unreal. Yeah, that is unreal, though. <laughs> now we're going to look at – so it's two to one. Uh, uh, we're going to call it in a bit, but I still think it's too close to call right now. So we're going to keep on going. I'm going to uh, look at a overall rating. We're going to look at overall ratings now. I'm going to look at some players who may have taken a bit of a dip, you know, um, in the rating, or they, they, they were equaled and they deserve the push, you know? So I'm going to look at that kind of a player. And I'm going to look at a player that I think – I'm going to give it to you first, Garrett Paul, because it is a Man United player that is known as Paul Pogba. And uh, one of the most well-known, you know, cards that is used, one of the most used cards. But he was giving a rating that some fans would disagree with. So, Garrett, I want to hear what you uh, – what was the rating people gave him? All right. I think – I think, yeah, I want to say in, like, the – in the last year, they gave him like an 88 or maybe like an 87. I think he went down to an 86. Is that that's my answer? That is correct. That is an 86. Miller, fair, fair or not fair? Uh, it's fair. I mean, that I mean, he couldn't. Uh, I think that's a guess. So I mean, I I, I don't. 
I don't think it's fair, but I think it's it's just the tax of, you know, him being injured for a big part of last season and everything like that. And obviously you see an EA likes to buff people, so as we get a phone call, that is from Paul Pogba talking about his situation, but we will not respond. We gotta keep moving on. Miller, I'm gonna give you the first go. I'm gonna stick with the main United player known as David Aheya. What is the rating that FIFA gave him this year? Eighty seven. Incorrect. It moves on to Garrett Quack. Garrett Quack. That is the Aheya, is he an eighty six? He is an eighty six. That is correct. Three points. I think it's fairly so. I mean, we all talked about the spills of David De Gea. Maybe not as much, but, I mean, he does deserve to get that downgrade. So, they felt it was that much. We're going to go down and even more on the list. I've got to give it to Gareth. Gareth, um, you know, I think if you get this one and Gareth uh, and Miller does not get the next one, you do win the games like penalties now. So, I'm going to give you a player, and it is – I'm going to give you Christian Erickson, a player that we talked about a little, uh, a little bit. So what is the rating that Christian Erickson got this year? Hmm. Ah, Christian Erickson. Definitely a player I used in FIFA the past couple of years. Not. Uh, but I'm going to go say he's an 84. Uh, incorrect. Uh-huh. We're moving on to Miller. I'm going to say 85. Correct. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was 85. You are close, but not rating. Apples to oranges out here. Tomato, tomato. I think three, three, sudden death. Sudden right. death. Okay. Sudden death. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a two part. You know, I'll give this fair, right? This sudden death, but uh, you'll see what I mean. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask for a. Tell me who got the biggest downgrade in FIFA. You know, like he he got this much points downgraded. But also, he was the highest rating out of the bunch that got downgraded. You know what I'm saying? Like, if the player was a 92 and he got dropped three, he's now 89. So, he technically is tied with the rest, but he got the biggest downgrade because he used to be that great. So, right. we're going to do that. So, I'm going to ask you for the player that got the biggest downgrade in that sense and the rating that they got. So, okay. sudden death, I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to, you know, I'm going to go with Miller first. I'm going to let Miller uh, say his player in the rating, and then I'm not going to say it's correct or incorrect, and I'm going to let Gareth choose, and then we'll see. So uh, All right. So I don't say the ratings. I just say the name. No, say the name and then the rating that uh, – actually, say the name and the rating that you think you got. I'm going to give it to you because, you know, Gareth dismissed the, the last penalty. So uh, Okay, so mine is Gareth Bale, who okay. was an 87 last year and is down to an 83 this year. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm going to have to go with Garrett Kwok. Do you think that is correct? I He definitely got a downgrade, but I don't know if it was the biggest upgrade. Or biggest downgrade, I should say. Mm-hmm. But so who are you going to go for? Who? Oh, man. I'm trying to, trying to think here. I'm going to say... I'm going to say Suarez and that he went down to an 85. Okay, so we're getting an 85. So I, you both are incorrect, but I'm going to go see who has the biggest drop of them both. But I will – actually, no, I'm going to, I'm going to say uh, you both got it incorrect, and I'm going to give you another chance at it. But Bale, he actually, from what I read, this is from gold.com, so do not at me, Miller. I'm going strictly off what they say. I fact-checked yeah. it just to make sure. 
They said Garfield started off as an 85 on FIFA 20 and dropped down to an 83. And the Suarez situation, I think he only dropped one or two points too. Uh, Gareth, I can verify this when I let you have another try. But my one clue, it is a La Liga player, and he does play for FC Barcelona or Real Madrid. Oh. And last year, his rating was above uh, 89, so I'm going to give both of you a chance. But I got to give it to Garrett Kwok first since he did, you said you did miss it first. So, Garrett Kwok. Yeah, he's, on, he, he's, on, he's on either Real Madrid or Barcelona? Yeah, one of those two teams. One of those two teams. I'm not going to give you the Zach team. Uh, you have to know this. You have to know this. Is it is it Modric? Let me go. No, wait, say say the rating, and then we'll we'll, we'll let Modric go. Modric went down from an eighty nine to an eighty seven. Oh, that's that's definitely not right. But uh, he was a ninety. He was a ninety. You're right. So, but I'm gonna write it down that he wrote eighty nine. But Miller, you do think you know it? So please tell us who the oh, yeah. Mine is that fat kid Hazard. <laughs> yeah. He oh, was a ninety one, and I think he's like an eighty seven now or an eighty six. He is now an 88, but he is the biggest one because he went from that 91 drop to a 89. But, I mean, I mean 88, sorry, to that three downgrade. Now, Gareth, you're going to be disappointed. Luka Modric was actually up there, and I think they consider him the second biggest downgrade because he went from a 90 to an 87. So, we were close, but Miller tops off this week. You know, I think Miller is the ultimate FIFA player is what we're learning over Gareth Clark. All right, all right, we're going to have to play. We're going to have to play against each other. We will. And the hazard that wow, who knew that the FIFA twenty cover star could have such a have such a downfall now he's uh he's still injured right now and uh yeah, he's now an eighty eight. He's still gonna be good in the game though. You already know like oh, yeah. those those guys are gonna Bateson and uh you know, they're gonna Bateson <laughs> the heck out of Hazard. They already get the game somehow. It's it's we can get into another conversation <laughs> about FIFA at another time. But that is going to do it for this episode of Dissecting the Pitch. This was a long one, boys. Um, we're going to have a, a condensed version, a condensed hour version for our radio show on Friday. I just noticed that. Um, but And then we will have our longer version here up on our podcast, and that will be available as well on Friday. So stay tuned for both of those coming out your way later this week. This is going to be – we're back on our weekly grind, doing this um, every week, and back here on Blaze Radio as well as on our podcast form. But – before we go, last thoughts from you gentlemen. Oh, I am going to say, I said it uh, last week. I think, no, last week or was it two weeks ago? I said uh, All or Nothing, truly an amazing documentary. If you have time, go watch it again. Miller McKinney now has watched it, and I said the same sentiment. So, I mean, if both of us agree, then you can bet your house, you can bet your kitchen sink that <laughs> All or Nothing is one of the best documentaries out there to watch. Yeah, I, I, I got to back that. If you don't like it, feel free to at me, at McKaylee Miller on Twitter, and I money back guaranteed. I'm, I'm telling <laughs> you, it's, it's a great show. But uh, last thing I want to end off on is to anybody that's playing FIFA out there that listens to this, make sure you get Pulisic and do yourself a favor as soon as you start the game because he's going to be so fun to use when this game starts off. So if you have the chance and if you want to play the game, definitely go for that. But uh, go United this weekend, and I'm glad to be back with you boys. So, absolutely, get you some uh, for those there. Get there, get you some Traore, get you some Mbabu, 
get you those sweaty players, you know, that are going to be uh, going to be fun to use. But anyway, thanks again, gentlemen, for your time. And we will be back here same time, same place next week for another fun episode. And so for my co-hosts, Edwin Perez and Miller McKinney, I'm Gareth Block signing off here from Dissecting a Pitch. And uh, we will see you all next time.